0: Wake up.
1: Wake up, today's going to be a good day. Wake up, Wake up. today's going to be a good day. Um, Anne, we haven't seen each other for so long. But we used to see each other quite <laughs> a lot. And um, so this is an opportunity not only for us to have a chat, but also to get to know who Anne McEwen is and what she does and how she empowers women. And um, we'll get to that as, as we go along. But welcome. Thank you. Oh, thanks,
2: Tiff. It's so good to see you again as well. And it, it's actually incredible what an impact the whole COVID thing had with us all being separated and locked down. And it, it broke routines because we did have a beautiful routine before and, and, and all of that changed. And um, it's been wonderful to watch your growth. And I really appreciate being part of your show.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's really good. Yeah, that's going through a process of evolvement. So, um, I'm really excited about that. And I thought, oh, I've got to have like empowering women, you know, on the, on the podcast program as well. And, and I was like, oh, Anne, <laughs> that's what you do. So <laughs> I was like, yay, I'll, I'll get in touch with Anne. Um, so, and, uh, what we, what we, what I'd like to do, uh, so people can get to know you is obviously you're not an Aussie. You're a, you're an adopted Aussie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. can you just share a, a bit about your childhood, where you grew up, and what your passions were as a kid, and all that kind of thing?
2: Yeah. I um, so I was brought up in Scotland. It's pretty obvious by the accent. Um, yeah. It's actually quite funny because my husband is English and my kids are Aussie, so we don't sound like a family. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was brought up in inner city Glasgow as uh, the youngest of six. And uh, I, I remember I've been a really kind of happy childhood. When I look back now, I realise that we were actually quite poor. The, the sort of eight of us living in a two-bedroomed um, tenement building in not a very nice part of Glasgow. Um, but I think what that did was um, it gave us all a bit of a drive. Uh, we never for the, a moment thought we would inherit anything. <laughs> so there was none, none of this... Um, sort of inheriting a house or inheriting money or anything so there there was always that thing of as soon as you left school you'd get out and you would work Um, and at the time I used to think it was quite harsh but as time's gone on I've realised that um, it's given me a really strong foundation for making my own way in life.
1: Yeah, okay. So with with the family so close-knit, you know, like in this two-bedroom house with lots of kids, I mean, obviously there was a lot of closeness, though, with the family. Is that is that right in saying that? Yeah,
2: yeah, there very was close. very, yeah. So my sister and I, she's 11 years older than me, and we had one bedroom, and the four boys had the other bedroom with, like, four bunk beds, and mum and dad would sleep on the couch that folded down into a bed in the middle. Um, but my mum was very loving, caring, giving, um, and so yes, there was a lot of warmth. And I was the youngest, and so yes, I think it's true—the youngest is spoiled. <laughs> spoiled with attention more than things. So All my things were hand me downs, but I definitely felt that sense of um, security. And my mum actually, she suffered quite a bit of depression, and, and she was a bit nervous about life, and so she hid behind her kids. But what she would do is if I went out with her, she would say, um, you go and pay the bus driver or go and ask the man for milk for a cup of tea. or And so she always pushed me forward to go and ask for things. Um, and at the time, it used to annoy me. I thought, why can't she just go and ask for herself? I felt like a wee skibby <laughs> But again, with hindsight, I've realised that she gave me a strength where I actually don't have a fear of kind of, asking for things I've got the mentality of well they can only say no and if they say no I won't be offended I'll just accept that they've said no
1: (laughs) yeah 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 oh that that that's actually good grounding isn't it because sometimes we have those like you said like those issues around like well she's an adult why can't she do it but she was little known to you she's giving you some training Yeah, which yeah, has helped yeah, you yeah. Yeah, and which has helped you moving forward in life, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I think really her intention was she didn't want us to be shy or depressed or in you know, less capable, or you know, it was it was her way of I can't do it, but I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna push you forward to be able to do it.
1: Yeah, and that's quite insightful, isn't it, when your parents mm-hmm. my, my mother was like that too. Like my my mum, um you know, is, is quite shy and, and all of that kind of thing. But she kept pushing us out into doing lots of activities and you're going yeah. to university no matter what because I didn't finish school and, you know, all of that yes. kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah so it's, your parents want more for you than what they've created. So, obviously, that's what your mum yeah. was doing for you too. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you get to a point where you finish school and and – Actually, sorry, I'm going to backtrack just a sec. Did you have a childhood dream of of anything? Did you like (laughs) dream that you wanted to be something? Or
2: yeah, I thought I thought I wanted to be a nurse. Believe it or not, I mean, when I was at school, you were either going to be a nurse or a teacher, or or, or work in an office. I wasn't smart enough to, or hardworking enough, whatever way you want to look at it, um, to be a doctor. Or and the thought going to uni was not really an option for us because. um, you had to if you stayed at home, you had to get out and work and contribute to the family budget. Um I mean by the time I was working, everybody else was too, so there was probably less pressure on me, but it was just the very working class mentality. Like none of us went to uni and it was and it wasn't really expected. Um although what's interesting is we've all done degrees later in life, so that's that's an interesting thing, but um yeah, and I and I did work placement when I was about 16, and I went and worked in this uh, hospital to do nursing. And um, this woman um, said, can you help me? Can you help me? My bandages have come loose. And I thought, oh, I'll go and see if I can help her, and if not, I'll go and get a nurse. And um, she just had varicose veins removed, and her legs were all bruised. And, we're, and I was only young, and I was like, eh! <laughs> Um, And I thought, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And then there was a second time when I had my school uniform on and the hospital gave me a white jacket to put on, like an overcoat. And then they were bathing this old man and she said to me, run the bath and whatever. And I mean, this poor old dolly must have been about 97 and his shriveled manhood and everything else was shriveled. And they lifted him into the bath and I fainted. I'd never seen a naked man and not an old man like that but really I fainted because I was too hot the steam from the bath I had my school uniform on and then this white coat well of course the nurses and they all laughed at me and they and I came away and I just thought you know what this nursing works not for me Um, and I ended up going working in an office.
1: Oh, okay, so you didn't faint yeah. in the bath, though. Did you? You didn't yeah. like fall into the bath.
2: No, thankfully, it was on the side. Yeah. <laughs> it was completely. Oh, passed out. Yeah. Oh,
1: so funny. <laughs> so okay, so you discovered that nursing wasn't for you. So you went and worked in an office. What was? What was? What was the the motivation for that? What what brought you to that? It was
2: the only other thing I was good at because I had done typing at school <laughs> and it was like, you have to go and find a job. I mean, you just, you, you kind of just had to. And um, so I had gone to the job centre and it was interesting because the job came up at the local college and when I went into the local college, they said, and I got the job. I, I mean, I was basically just doing photocopying and stuff like that and they but they said to me that they would put me through courses so I did start to get edu- higher education, but um, free because I was a member of staff, and I did like business studies and um, Pitman shorthand. You know, in those days, you used to be able to to do mm. Pitman shorthand, and and then what I was learning, I was able to use in the workplace, and I and I would just worked my way through their 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 path, if you like. Um, and then one day, my boss said to me, you know, you you really aren't going to get very far in education unless you get into academia. Um, You would be better suited in industry. And he had cut out this ad in the newspaper um, that was to work for one of the big corporations. And it said, um, take your life to the next level, take your career to the next level. Blah blah. And it was all this lovely stuff. And I just thought, man, how nice of somebody within an organisation who wanted to see a young person expand. And he said to me, I think you should go for this interview because you get paid more money and blah, blah, blah. And I did and I got the job. Um, and what was and the job?
1: What was the job?
2: So it was a personal secretary to the area manager of um, BP Oil in Scotland. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: And uh, so it was going from just being like a general office admin to, personal assistant and then and I ended up staying with BP for 8 years and I uh, went from that to a sales and marketing department to um, retail area supervisor to area manager so wow. I, yeah Incredible. through the yeah through the eight years I just I did their internal training and and yeah just climbed through the internal career ladder um yeah and I loved it and part of that was uh, I had to be out on the road so I had to learn to drive and then they gave me a company car and for a wee girl from Glasgow to get a flash company car was a big thing and <laughs> I had my shoulder yeah. pads and my briefcase and I just thought I was God's girl, gift yeah. to the corporate world.
1: <laughs> Fabulous. So you, your parents must have been very proud, especially your mum, like she must have yeah, been incredibly yes, proud. I yeah,
2: she was actually, yeah. Yeah, she was, and and it's interesting because all of my siblings have been, they've all done really well, Um, Mm -hmm. all sort of went out and made their own way through the University of Life (laughs) Um, and got education later in life, but uh, yeah, and and we were right, because when mum and dad died, we didn't inherit
1: anything. (laughs) (laughs) Although well, you wanted to make sure you were very secure yourselves, be before anything happened to them, obviously. So
2: well, that's right, absolutely, yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so then you went from from that. Is that where you met Ben, your husband? Did you meet him there at that?
2: Uh, no, at that. Well, I actually did know. I did meet him in uh, BP because he worked there too as a drilling engineer. Um, but actually I didn't fancy him at that point uh, <laughs> there were lots of big Americans around in the oil industry at that time and I was attracted to them um, but I I had another boyfriend at the time who was killed in a car crash and after he died uh, well I discovered he was married and I didn't know and that put me in a real sort of downer and I was kind of a bit lost and full of hurt and resentment and grief and anger and uh, I couldn't focus at work and everybody was saying to me at the time oh you're better off without him because he's just a waster and he didn't deserve you and and then I felt how can I be so stupid like how can you go out with somebody for a length of time and not notice that they're living a double life but I just didn't.
1: I um, think, too, it's the age as well because I went yes, through that yes. as well when I was in my 20s, yeah, yeah, it's a shock, yeah, yeah. Just
2: completely blindsided and and, and I, I suppose because I never imagined I would do that to someone, I just never thought someone would do that to me, you know. Yeah, um exactly. But you probably felt very betrayed,
1: bigger. did you? You feel yes, quite betrayed? Yes. Yeah
2: yes yeah. terribly and i wasn't um, able to go to the funeral i wasn't able to say goodbye the, and i wasn't just losing what i had at that time i'd lost my future because he talked about moving in with me and we were going to travel the world together and there was all these plans and you know it's i mean later on one of his friends told me that he was very unhappy in his marriage and was going to divorce his wife and and in fact he had an 18 month old baby as well which i knew nothing about and you Know so uh, to be honest, I, w- I wouldn't have stayed with them if I'd known all of that. <laughs> you know, you
1: wouldn't have no, <laughs> oh, incredible. Uh, but what did it trigger you? You were going to say something that I yeah, um, look you, it, you it triggered me
2: thought. to get away because I had to get away from the memories. And um, people were saying to me, you know, you're better out with off without them, there's more fish in the sea. Um, but I was heartbroken, I actually didn't want another fish, I wanted him. <laughs> um, and so. I saw an ad to go and work in the states um, and teach dancing, which sounds really left of centre. <laughs> uh, but I actually, uh, from the age of seventeen to twenty-two, I ran a dancing school. Um, I yeah, I, I danced all through my teens, and my teacher was selling her school. And when I qualified at the age of seventeen, she sold her school to me and I ran it till I was 22 and then with BP I got moved to Aberdeen and and that all closed but it was something I knew I could go back to it was a voluntary position so there was no expectation and I just needed to I rented out my house I quit my job gave back my company car and it's so funny all of that then was meaningless it meant nothing to me I didn't give a shit about the car or the house or any of the material things that I'd been striving so hard for
1: Mm-hmm. And um, why was that I, why why didn't you care then like I mean there's a big turnaround there
2: yeah, I think probably i w- I realized that things like truth and relationships and being centered on the inside and like it's almost more important to have a a successful internal life <laughs> than external mm-hmm. life and um all those things when I was going through this pain couldn't ease that pain, couldn't help me. Um, and so losing them, I'd almost it was almost like I had lost the one thing, and I'd lost myself. I'd lost sense of self. Um, and when you lose that, um, the the rest just pales into insignificance.
1: Mm-hmm, 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 um,
2: mm-hmm. And yeah, so I went to the States and I did this and I didn't tell anybody because that was the other thing. There was all this shame around it. And I thought, well, nobody there knows me. I can hide.
1: (laughs) Um, Start again too. Can't you
2: start all over again? Yeah. 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 And, and I, and I quite enjoyed it, but I, I, I was weighted with grief. Um, so, you know, they say you, 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 you take yourself with you when you go and you do these things, and and you know, and you, you take your your head and you take your emotions and you um and when that was finished I didn't want to go home and face everything. So I did more voluntary work and I went to Africa. Um and I did it was similar to Fred Hollow's, it was um helping the blind um get cataract operations and helping the blind to see. Mm-hmm. And that was actually quite beautiful. Again it was um people who had nothing being so grateful for like a $25 operation and giving them new life. And the, the company that I went with, they took kids from the UK who would otherwise have been in juvenile prison and they made them work in third world countries. And the changes in these kids, when they had direction and they felt they were making a positive difference and they started to realize how lucky they were to live in the UK uh, the change in them was phenomenal mm, um, mm. and that again taught me you know I'd get to know people at a d- deeper level the, the 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 joy in giving back in using your skills to help someone else I mean I was just a project manager I didn't do any of the hospital stuff as we know nursing was not my thing <laughs> um,
1: didn't want you fighting again
2: no. no, no, that would no,
1: have yeah. been good. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that would have been um, quite an incredible experience though it's, it is because I don't think like, you know, growing up in the UK, Australia, America, you know, first world country, we don't really understand I think how tough it is for people like that in that situation and we don't really realise how lucky we actually are and giving back You know, if if you can just go and spend your time and give back in some form, I mean, it's empowering anyway within, isn't it? Because you feel like you're making a difference to someone else's life. And then, you know, you're helping someone else and make them feel good. And then that makes you feel good because you're helping them. It does. It does. Yeah. I mean,
2: it sounds altruistic, but it's actually not. Like I I have the saying now that giving is selfish because when we give like that, they, we feel good about ourselves. It gives us a sense of purpose. Um, mm. And and it, it what was interesting was it was a tough situation for those people, but those people were so tough, Tiff. I, I couldn't believe how, like these 70, 80-year-old biddies that walking sticks, half blind, jumping on and off trucks, you know, lying on blankets on the floor. I'm not talking about, and we had a makeshift hospital with tents. You know, they weren't, they weren't we'd want a proper sterile operating theatre but all the recovery and everything else was done in a field and yeah. um, everything was donated uh, and these people were just so joyful at the end they said um they had a gift for myself and the team and i'm thinking what the hell can they give us they've got nothing and they got us all in a circle and they started to bang sticks and they had old drums they were tapping on they started to clap and they sang this song of thanks. It was like a prayer. Oh, my God. There was just not a dry eye in the place. It was so moving. And to this day, I still would say it's the best gift anyone's ever given me. And it didn't mm-hmm. cost a cent.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it would would have been um, a very... Um, Magical experience, I would have thought, but going through through that. So, so what mm. ha- what happened to you after that? Well, like you you did you did that, and did you go back to the UK? No, you, uh, no, no? no, okay, no. I what, what did you do?
2: Actually, I, I kept running away because I just didn't know how to deal it. And I, I was getting better, and I was definitely learning more about life, but I wasn't ready to go back home. Uh, I went to India, and I was working in a girls' school there, and I did some work with lepers. And uh, I've got lots of leper jokes. They just kept telling me all these jokes all the time, you know. Um, why does a, a leper not rob a bank? Um don't know, because he has no arms. Um <laughs> you know, they and had they were the
1: ones and they were the ones saying the jokes, right? They were
2: the ones telling me all these jokes and I'm like, yes. Oh my god, you know. Um but they just laughed, they they accepted the situation, they they were joyful with what they had. Um, again, I mean, I found it quite abhorrent and I, and I, you know, kind of struggled and in some way the, the universe kept getting me to face back with this helping nursing thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is not where I'm meant to be. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I, I came to Australia, believe it or not, and I ended up working with some nuns who were doing work at a St Vincent de Paul centre, like a, and it was a drop-in for like people that were homeless and uh, living on the streets and had um, problems with alcoholism and stuff. And I got very close with this one nun, uh, and she was beautiful, and she said, you know what, She said, you're great. You're doing all this voluntary work and you've got all this corporate experience that you bring to projects and you get things up and running and it's all task-orientated. It's all do, do, do. And she said, and you're smiling and you're joyful. And she said, but gosh, there's a real sadness behind your eyes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. So I'd been kind of wearing this mask and I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, we all do that. And you know what fine stands for, don't you?
1: No, no, oh. what does it
2: stand for? Frustrated, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. And she,
2: and she oh. said that to me, and, I, and she said, Oh, so you're fine. So that means you're, you're frustrated, you're insecure. And she laughed, and I laughed. And that funny laugh became a hysterical, tearful eruption of a laugh. Mm -hmm. And my body was shaking, the tears were streaming down my face and I thought, she's got it, she she sees that I'm not fine. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. took her hand out and she held my hand and she said exactly that. She said, it's actually okay to not be fine. And I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And it was three years of hurt, anger, frustration, sadness. Just
1: coming out, wasn't it? It was just all flowing out. yeah. Yeah. And
2: and what she actually did, she she just took the time to notice. She took the time to listen and to reach out and to say, you know, you're helping everybody else, but actually, you're not helping yourself because you're still hiding. Mm. Um, and it was
1: that was that a, was that another reason, like why you went and and helped? You know, other people was because that just made you feel so much better. Like, yeah. So that you just yeah. didn't have to deal with, you know, that hurt,
2: you I think, know, that, you, I think that you ran away from. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think subconsciously when I was initially doing it, it was like, um, I couldn't cope with the pressure of a job and having to get results because I was so emotionally drained um, and I didn't need the money, thank God. Um and so I was able to do the voluntary work, but I was able to hide behind this facade. But when I, she she then helped me deal with the grief and forgiveness. And I mean, she was an amazing woman. And um, what, but when I then did go home, I did actually, she helped, she helped me heal and I did go home after that. But I did not want to go back into corporate. I still didn't want to be a nurse, <laughs> yeah. but I knew I wanted to help. I knew I wanted to help people in a way uh-huh. that um, uh, help them almost more mentally rather than physically.
1: Because mm, you, you was, saw the power too, didn't you? In yes. in what that what, what was uncovered for you yes. was all the mental, all yes. the
2: mental, wasn't
1: yes. it? Yes, yes, emotion, yeah, yes,
2: mm-hmm. and all the all the physical things that I was feeling, just that heaviness and lethargy and. You know, it, it, a lot of it, I had back pain and I had neck pain. I would get headaches. And I started to realise that a lot of that was because I was carrying all this emotional pain. And when that lifted, the change in my physical well-being was just incredible. Like, mind-body connection is so powerful, and I had never even really known anything
1: about that. About that. <laughs> okay, so you 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 finally went back and... <laughs> we able to deal with things. What what, what yeah. happened for you then? Yeah. What 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 did well, you
2: do? Well, the only reason I went back actually was that my best friend was getting married, and she, I was to be her bridesmaid, and, and I said to her, "Look, I just can't face coming home." And she said, "Well, if you don't come back, I'm not getting married." Get married. Oh, <laughs> wow! Said, like, okay. I can't have Pressure's my wedding on. without you there. And I was like, "Oh, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm so okay, I better go." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And at that wedding, uh, I met Ben, who has been my husband for 25 years. years. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. And what was interesting was that he was actually not brought up in the UK and he'd travelled, he'd been brought up in Africa. When we started to talk about the sunrise in Africa and the African people and whatever, we just had this real connection. He had sort of a heart for poverty and... Uh, yeah and we connected actually that day he met me he'd been offered a job in Spain so he said that was a day that changed his whole life and so he asked me uh, if he wanted to take the job but would I go with him
1: Um, wow okay yeah and so you did didn't you (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 And and then um, your daughters. Were you, <coughs> excuse me. Were your daughters born in Spain? The
2: eldest was, yeah, yeah, yes. she was. Um, yeah, that was a hilarious experience when you don't know much of the vocabulary around childbirth, okay. and pregnancy, and then you don't know it. In, in much of it in English, and never mind in Spanish. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, was, yeah, that was quite an experience.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was lots of um, screaming and probably pointing and stuff. Was <laughs> yes, it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and then did you come to Australia after that? after uh, the not directly
2: born. after so we were in spain for three years and then ben got a job in london and i was missing family so we went back to the uk and we had our second baby there and then we were there for a uh, seven or eight years and i actually got a job in a high school so i i retrained um all that mindset stuff really intrigued me and i went in and did NLP, I uh, did positive psychology. I actually at one point thought that I wanted to work in a women's prison. So I did a postgraduate in chaplaincy. Um, and then I got a job in the local high school working with kids who weren't doing well. They had potential, and they but they had no guidance and they didn't have belief in themselves. And again, it was the whole... I. I loved that school school holidays fitted in with the family life um, and we were there for seven years and then moved to Australia again because Ben was offered a job and by the time we moved to Australia both of my parents had passed away and that made the move easier. I would have struggled to move this far if they were still alive and elderly and Hmm. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And how old were your daughters when when you came out to Australia? Then, because they're only so they, little, weren't they?
2: Yeah, seven and eight. So they were up yeah. in school, um, yep. and that was great because getting them into school, the school community, I got did voluntary work. Um, I love the whole Australian life of, um, you know, you have a party and everybody brings a plate, or there's so much done outdoors and we live on the northern beaches so we were able to enjoy the beach and it was just this amazing lifestyle and you know i used to walk around the house and just think oh mum if you could see where i live now you know i mean she had such a tiny place with six kids and now i'm living in paradise Mm,
1: mm, you do have a lovely home yes for sure (laughs) yeah but I think we you know as you know I live on the northern beaches as well and I mean we do live in paradise I mean we're very very fortunate yeah Yeah, very grateful yeah yeah. for that um and so uh the girls went to school you're a stay-at-home mum for a period of time
2: yeah because Ben traveled overseas a lot and so my job was you know find a house, buy a trampoline and a dog and all the things that you do with it. You know, go to the cake sales and the fundraisers. And, and I actually enjoyed doing that for a wee while. And I, you know, I did feel lucky that I didn't have to work. Um, And it was fine until the kids were sort of halfway through high school. I hit 50, menopause. Felt as if I kind of lost my identity a wee bit. I didn't know where I was heading. I still felt I had a lot to contribute. They didn't need me so much anymore, and I really lost my confidence. Um, Not working in corporate, the technology had moved on. I wasn't really improving my skills, Um, and yeah, I felt quite a bit lost and a bit alone. And I mean, I had plenty of people around me, but I just felt alone in my own head. That that. I did. What was I going to do for the next thirty years?
1: Yeah, and you have, and you have like with the experience that you've already, you know, up until that point that you've already had. There was a lot of, and I know that you gave a lot of. Obviously, as a mother, you give a lot to your, your daughters, and and you know you devote your life to them. But it was getting to that point, wasn't it? It's like, okay, well they're, you know, getting older and they're going off and doing their own thing and Ben's yeah. travelling and doing his, you know, if they're working for his job and, and so on. He had a high-pressure job, didn't he, a quite a busy job. And, and then there's you and it's like, like you say, you turn 50. Okay, what do I do? So talk about that. Like what was going on? Let's get – let's dive deeper into that, Anne. What was going on there, you know, very it's lost? funny, isn't
2: it? I don't know whether it's – that number is a psychological thing, or like forty didn't really bother me. I remember when I was forty, thinking, "Well, you know, I'm in a nice place. I'm married, got my kids." And um, we were still in the UK at that point. I was working at the school, and I just felt, "Oh, I've still got half of my life ahead of me." And Fifty was different. I, I, and maybe it's a societal thing. Whereas a fifty-year-old woman, you feel a bit more invisible, or. Um, maybe it's the menopause. Like I, I started to feel maybe because we produce less estrogen and more testosterone, I was becoming a bit more, uh, I, not aggressive, but but aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I was answering yeah. back. I was more irritable. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I used to say to my kids, um, I feel like Cinderella. I'm the only one that does all the cooking and the cleaning and tidying and sorting, and you all just live your life, but my life is tidying up after everybody else. And I said, well, Cinderella wants to go to the ball. She's had enough. She wants to go and dance with her prince, you know? (laughs) Um, And then... and, and Ben would get all stressed and go, whoa, 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 "What do you mean go and dance with your prince? You know?" And I was like, "I don't, I don't know what it means, but I mean, it, it has something has to change." So there was just a, mm. um, a just an emptiness in my life, and in my, I think I had lost that inner peace that
1: mm-hmm. I found when and I. You yeah, and you came, yeah. And it sounds like you went back to that. You're feeling fine, sort of scenario, Yes, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. very frustrated yes yeah Yeah.
2: you're very right and and there's a big lesson in that i think that it's not because once you have a breakthrough the rest of your life is great it's almost like we're having little we need little mini daily breakthroughs or um daily reminders that 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 fine isn't really where you want to be um you want to have that inner peace feeling again what did you do back then that made you feel like that that you Mm. can continue to feel like that but of course we forget and we lose sight of it unless it becomes a daily practice and i didn't really have anybody to talk to because i thought i was the only woman on the planet that was feeling like this and i thought it was very selfish of me to tell anyone because i had this a really good husband beautiful kids great home some would say well you're bloody lucky you don't have to work you don't have financial issues um and I had a on did the a very blessed.
1: Did you feel guilty yeah. though, feeling that way?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I thought it's it's um, I shouldn't feel like this um, because we're told these are the things we're to strive for, and we've you know, I mean, both Ben and I started with very little. We've created what we've got. We're meant to be really happy now, mm-hmm. <laughs> so why am I not? And mm. and yeah, and it was it was like and I mean you remember because we knew each other when I was going through that phase and yeah. and you were one of the people that I felt I could confide in and talk to and I would just sit and cry and feel yeah. guilty and lost.
1: Um mm.
2: and you just and needed it,
1: someone to talk to you so you could just let it all out and feel like right. you're in a safe space.
2: Yes. You know? yes. And it was
1: okay to feel that way.
2: Yes. It's about it's almost giving yourself permission to mm to be lost (laughs) and 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 that to to acknowledge that you're a bit lonely in your own head um Mm. and that things haven't quite panned out because a lot of it comes down to expectation too you know where did I think I would be by the time I was 50 you know did I think I would be like this super executive um or super business owner or you know I was never going to be a super nurse, but there were other things I thought I'd be super at, you know. <laughs> um, <sighs> but I can, maybe, I can maybe it was that, it. you know, maybe yeah. it was disappointment in myself or disappointment in I, you know, the judgment of myself, and and then I was probably my inner self talk was quite negative, and in addition to all the hormonal stuff that's going on when you're fifty, mm. um, and often. Teenage kids aren't very lovable. <laughs> so that, that's hard too. You know, you you love them, but you don't necessarily like them, and they don't really like you either. So that's hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot going on there. Yeah, I mean, I I understand because you know now fifty two, and I went through, you know, when I turned fifty, um, I was absolutely devastated about being fifty. Um uh, I, I it's yeah, I always think I'm the I'm a Peter Peter Pan or you know, um yeah. and, and young at life and all of that. And then and, and it hit me really hard being fifty and the same thing, like expectation. Uh, I didn't achieve mm-hmm. the goals that I thought that I would have achieved by the time I was fifty. So all I saw was failure and disappointment. And mm-hmm. and thought yeah. I wasn't good enough, and I just didn't think there was any point of really living. Not that I felt suicidal, but I understood yeah. what it was like to feel like, well, what's the point of it all? Like, you know, I, I didn't. I've made it to fifty, and I've got nothing to show for it. And and that and and that's how I saw myself. And that was because I didn't achieve my childhood dream, and so mm-hmm. I spent you know pretty much thirty years beating myself up about that. So um yeah so I I hear you (laughs) Mm -hmm. I hear you yeah so so what happened then what happened then because there was a lot of changes that started to go on after that
2: yeah I I was um I started to kind of reach out for help a wee bit and that doesn't come naturally for me I like to be the one I can do it and I can sort it and I can um and I and a friend said to me um because I wish I could find a group of women where you know, they all felt the same, we could do something positive together, and and she said to me, well, why don't you start a group? And I, and then immediately, there were doubts, and people, oh, no, I couldn't do that, and um, who would come, and what would I talk about, and where would I hold it, and everybody's busy, and I had all these, and then someone else introduced me to meetup.com, and said, you know what, you can have this, and you can meet up and talk about anything, you can meet up and walk dogs, or have coffees, or So I thought, I'll just put it out there. And if nothing happens, then I've not lost anything. And so I put up this thing, self-empowerment for women, um, based on what I had really studied in the last 15 years. um, And I had studied it all and learned it all, but I had kind of forgotten it all. And I had 60 women sign up in the first week. Yeah, and I thought, well. oh, my God, I'm not alone. There are lots of women that feel like this. This is amazing. And I just had a local community hall, got people there for free. At each meeting, we probably initially, we probably had 12, 15 people show up, almost 60 signed up. Not everybody came in person mm-hmm. to the meetings. And kind of unwittingly, I became the leader of the group. And women would share their issues and I would talk as well. And then I would say, oh, have you tried this technique? Have you done this questionnaire? Have you? And then people would say to me, I don't want to share everything in a group. Could you help me one on one? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then somebody said to me, well, you need to start a business. And then again, I was like, oh, no, I couldn't run a business. I don't know anything about tax. I don't know anything about hiring people Um, I don't want responsibility for employees you know and and all this and and she said to me but you could just have them come to the house and and coach and whatever there, but you should charge for your time and I was like okay and so that's what I did and didn't charge much for fee initially and they'd just come and sit on the sofa and we worked through some issues. Um, and my business grew organically from there and mm-hmm. um, and then I started to learn about online marketing and you know, I think yes, that's you, probably you where had a
1: great time. <laughs> We spent a lot of time I, together then
2: <laughs> where you, where you and I met and um yeah uh, and how to run a business and you know how to build your confidence around that and um. And and that that was a painful journey, you know. That's been a really sort of yeah. two steps forward, one step
1: back. Yeah, I, it was only the like you know it was just learning new skills, wasn't it? I yeah, mean, that yeah, was that yeah. was the thing, and you were just at that time being challenged around you know technology, learning new skills because technology was moving very quickly, and you were just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, and I was like, Yes, you can, and I didn't you enjoy know, but, it.
2: Yeah.
1: No, no, you you dreaded having to do it all, and yeah, yeah. But at that time too, like when you were building that um, the online side of things in your business, you were still doing the meetup groups and you're still doing the one-on-ones, weren't you?
2: Yes, yes, yes. In that
1: time, yeah. So yes. So that still gave you that interaction with people. You didn't feel, and you didn't feel alone yes. either, though, because you had support around you
2: yes yes and and actually, and that was fantastic, and it was really interesting because initially Ben and the girls weren't that keen on me doing all of this because it took my time and attention away from them, and so we had to really work as a family to come up with manageable schedules and tools to so that we didn't all f- keep falling out and arguing about everything and so we did our schedule for cooking and cleaning and um shopping and whatever and initially they were all like but now they'll say to me look it's great my girls in particular say you know mum you helped us to grow up and now they're sharing with other people and they say we're we're good housemates now we know not to just leave our dishes in the sink for a week and upset someone else and we're aware of taking a night to cook and 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 maybe sharing the cooking and sitting and enjoying having dinner together, and you've all got things to talk about. Because we'd sit at the dinner table and they'd all talk about school and work, and I'd sit there and think, "Well, I went and walked the dog today. That was my life, and, <laughs> and
1: cleaned up uh, after everybody." Whereas <laughs> I'd
2: be able to say, "You know, I learned this." And actually, the technology stuff, um, they started to help. They, they started to help me because they were young and at school they started to help me with some of the online technology stuff, you know, they'd say, Oh Mom, that's easy. You just upload this and you press that and you edit that and um, you know, and they'd have it done. So that was good. Um and I and it was also good for them to see that adults don't have all the answers and they don't find we don't find life easy every day. Um that you still struggle later in life. Mm. Um mm. We, we had a little thing that when, when they came home, we would do this sign and if we'd had a good day, it would be a thumbs up and if we hadn't had a good day, it would be a thumbs down. And any day I did a thumbs down, they were horrified. What mum? How come? And, I, you know, maybe a client had cancelled or I'd spent money on a Facebook ad that didn't work or I just was not feeling it that day. I'd lost belief in myself or, and, it was amazing because they would then start coaching me things I'd been teaching them over the years. And they'd be saying, but you have to take it a day at a time, mom, and tomorrow will be better and don't give up. And they started to be really encouraging, which was just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that would have been. And, and because I know that you were really struggling at that time, like you were questioning everything, everything. weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. everything. Oh, and you oh, were just questioning to- whether you could do it.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, could very easily have pulled the plug on everything. Um, mm. Being a mum, being a wife, being a business owner. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: So, so what, what, what are you doing now? Like, so that was that was pre-COVID. We do everything pre-COVID and post-COVID yeah. these days, don't we? That's how we it. Yeah, talk. we do. But, so that yeah. was a few years before COVID when you were building your your online business in, and, and everything that you went through with that. Like, how's it going? What what are you up to these days? What's well, happening with it?
2: COVID was really interesting for me because for where it was a terrible time for a lot of people, uh, my business actually went through the roof. There were so many women at home struggling with um, homeschooling, Husbands working from home as well. They're trying to run a business from home. Uh, Kids running around, doing Zoom calls, not being able to get out in the fresh air. Kids going crazy. And they also were getting government subsidies. And so, so many of them were saying, actually, I'm going to use this to invest in myself in a way that they hadn't in the past. And so I had like eight hours back-to-back calls five days a week. Um it was incredible and I just felt this is it, I've made it, my business is going, you know, great guns and I'm helping so many women and I did it for two years and at the end of the two years I was so completely burnt out I almost wanted to give it up again. And I mm-hmm. said to Ben, I actually can't keep going at this pace. And the lesson there was be careful what you wish for. Um because I then felt trapped. Um and I almost had that isolated feeling again. I was just me in my Zoom <laughs> day in, yep. day out. I wasn't getting exercise. Um there was a lot of people struggling and that that if you're an empath, <laughs> it's really hard because you're walking alongside these women going, Oh my god, I just wish I had a magic wand, I could change all of this for you. I can help you, and I can guide you, but it's going to take time and, it, and by the end of the week, you know I would be carrying some of these burdens in my own heart, and I just felt mm. emotionally and physically drained. Mm. Mm. So at the end of COVID, I had to look at really what was my motivation, and often our motivation is money, and, and because that's how we've, uh, we see success, we live in a capitalist
1: society that's exactly we... isn't it
2: yeah, yeah it's all
1: about money like you're successful if you've got a lot of money you live in a beautiful home you've got a lovely car and you know yeah. all the trimmings around that isn't it that's how you're yeah. judged
2: but yeah. yet most of the people that i know that have got all that it's all on debt <laughs> it's all yeah, like, that's right no, it's all on the debt. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah what the hell you know why would you yeah. put yourself in that position and so yeah. and for us because you know Ben works as well, um, and the girls were getting older, and and we weren't paying school fees anymore, and so our our costs were. I mean Ben's car's fifteen years older than minus ten. We haven't bought new cars for a while, and so we started to think, you know, we could actually just cut our cloth and and live to our means. And when when is enough enough? When do you say actually I'm really satisfied with what I've got? And at that point. Financially, we were, but in getting there, my physical health was way out of kilter. So then I had to try and find a balance um, and go through my timetable and say, right, well, how many clients can I take? Uh, How much time can I put into getting some fitness to eating well to meeting up with friends? And of course, by then, after COVID, things started to open up again and i started to kayak um we live near the water which we're very blessed to do and um i was able to go two or three times a week um to kayak and i just decided that on the mornings that i do that i won't have any clients i won't work so i basically went not quite part-time but you know definitely cut down on the hours that i work and the difference has just been phenomenal this past the 18 months I've done that. Um, and I just feel I've I've got a nice flow now. Um
1: <clears throat> but did, you, also- did you did you can, can I interrupt for a moment but yeah. did you do that you because you were so burnt out, right? So all you were doing again was you were just giving to everyone, right? Yeah. As you do because yeah. you're a giver right? Yeah. You just gave and gave and gave and there was just absolutely nothing left for you. Yeah. And then you made that decision that, okay, I actually have to give back to me now. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it sounds like there's been a theme in your life, right? Yeah. That That's what yeah. you've been doing. You burn yourself out and then you realize that you have to give to you. And then you started with the paddling and it's like taking time out. So yeah. it sounds to me like you're starting to create a lifestyle. You know yes. it's not about like it's not about work it's it's yes. about creating a lifestyle isn't
2: it that's totally it yeah you're dead right and because with the the paddling what I say is that from that I get um fitness fun and friendships I've made all these new friends and it's something that I go to that I don't have to organize I just turn up and I'm part of the group um, and I don't think I've got to think focused on not falling in the water. So I'm not thinking about anything else. So it gives my whole mental space a rest. I'm out in nature. um, And I'm actually a better coach because when I I feel reinvigorated and I'm able then to recognise those traits in other women and say, I know where you're at, girlfriend, because I've been there and I did it to myself and it doesn't serve anyone, least of all you. And even my family will say now, I mean, Ben will say to me, this is the happiest and most content that he's really ever known me, I think, um, in 25 years, which is ridiculous, because it was all striving, striving, striving. And now it's kind of like I've reached a stage where I'm, I feel really happy with what I have. Um, I meditate at least every day for 20 minutes, and centre myself again when I can feel myself getting dragged because external things do knock us about you know it's either other people's opinions or their timetable or their moods or you know things that are going on around me and um, learning to not react to those but choosing how you're going to act in your daily life and in each situation um, from a place of centeredness, And and so much acceptance. And in our world, if we talk about contentment and and acceptance, it's kind of like seen as a giving in or a, oh, oh, you're not striving anymore, you're not ambitious anymore, you're not, and there's almost a wee bit of a judgment that comes with that. But, it's the opposite (laughs) it's so freeing that you feel reinvigorated and you do want to go for things but it's with a different level of passion um like I used to follow all the templates of you know every other guru what they said and how they said we'd do it and and then it wouldn't work and I'd feel like a failure and and now it's like I'm creating my own template Mm,
1: love it yeah Yeah, I understand. I understand Um, because I've been going through exactly the same thing. It must be this 50-something
2: thing that we go
1: through because I'm, uh, you know, like all about being at peace within every day and um, anyone that I talk to, if they ask me what my goal is for the day, it's just to feel happy. Happy within. All I want to do is feel happy within. If I'm happy within, I have a great day, no matter what's thrown at me. And it's that feeling of being centered. So um, it's it's an amazing place to be. It doesn't mean that you don't want to still accomplish things or have things happen in your life or anything. It's just that your attitude and your approach to it is just so different. You don't have to strive. and beat yourself up and, you know, work, you know, 80, 90 hours a week and think that, you know, you just got to do the hard yards. You can actually do it a different way and you can do it in a way that you're meant to do it, like in an enjoyable way and have fun and, and get fit and, um, you know, spend time with your family or people that you love or or friends that you love and have a lifestyle. And that's what it should be about. Shouldn't it? Isn't that what it's about?
2: yes yes and actually I think one of the the challenges for me now is being that role model for my girls because they saw me being a stay at home mum becoming a martyr <laughs> pushing to prove myself I don't know who I was trying to prove myself to um, but ending up in burnout um, and, and then saying to them well you can be anything and do anything and and then they're looking at me going well you're not a great example of that (laughs) you know and being able to say well actually I have now found a way and you know and it's not an overnight thing any of these new mindset techniques that we use which help us shift our state from sad to happy um, or from distracted to focused or from you know, left to right, they, they, they take a daily, it's a daily practice where, where we're rewiring the brain and we're undoing, we're unlearning all the things, the, the negative coping mechanisms that we had in the past. Um, and what I'm trying to do with my girls is is prevent them from having so many negative mechanisms, and negative self-talk and replacing them as young as possible. Um. You know, I think it's really important for us to help the next generation to say, you know, this is human nature and and don't be caught up in that same hype. Um, Exactly. Exactly. Find yourself sooner.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Because it's interesting. I watch, um, I'm not a big fan of watching the news and, and all of that kind of thing, but I do take note every so often. I don't get too involved in it. And I always say to Ian um, that I said, no wonder people get so upset and worked up because I said, that's all you hear though is you hear a lot of negativity, you know, like we're going to go into a recession or, you know, or you hear, um, you know, people living in tents and, you know, and this is what's going to happen. There's so many jobs that, you you know, you're not going to be able to work anymore because AI is going to replace you. And, and Mm. I'm thinking, wow, like, you could just go into a depression every day if you just sat and and listened to all of that that was that's coming at you on the radio or yeah. podcasts even or you know yeah. watching the t v or looking at um social media whatever yeah. and I'm like you've got to start your day every day in a way that's going to benefit you, feeding your mind with positivity whatever that whatever that you know. Yes. Um,
2: so thing too. that you're
1: going to do. Um, I have a series of questions. I listen to specific things. I go and train at the gym. I meditate. I do it all that sort of stuff, uh, as you know, to to help me get centered, as yeah. you say. Your words get centered, and then so that I'm setting myself up for a good day. And that's what you're doing, and that's what you're teaching people to do. Your yeah. obviously your daughters, but that's what you do with people, isn't
2: it? Yeah. 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 And it's because we've all got our blind spots. The thing is that we we don't see how we're reacting to things or how we view the world. And no two people see the world the same. And so it, when you when you work with someone else, and I've had coaches help me do this, they're like, "But Anne, more if that's not true, it, it might be true for you, but it, but is it universally true? Is it really that bad? Is it really that situation?" And then you go, oh, God, maybe, maybe I am making a mountain out of a molehill or maybe I am looking at this the wrong way. And if you can reframe and see things in a different way and put yourself back in a kind of control of control of things and but 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 my book Take Back Control of Your Life is actually all about letting go. (laughs) You know, because that's the it's a a paradox, really.
1: It okay. is, isn't it? It is. It, it is. It's you. It's you taking the control yeah. and yeah, letting just letting it go and letting it flow. But it's a different way that you take control, though, isn't it? In yes. a sense, in that letting go. Yes,
2: and it, it's positive uh, techniques. It's positive routines. It's positive ways of re retraining the brain, um, so that. And actually, when you do it often enough, like it, you know, every day over time, it then just becomes set nature. It doesn't become an effort. It doesn't feel like a habit or a new habit or a good habit. Or it's it's just part of who you are. Um, and yeah, and I, and I think not listening to all the media and stuff is a good idea because um, what I see is people get frustrated and they get angry and then they get, and then they feel they can't make a change. And so people that, that hot anger and frustration, we can burn ourselves out very quickly with that. And, And what I learned, it was actually one of the lessons that I learned from this nun was that live your own life and be kind to yourself, be kind to those in your family, be kind to those in your community. And the rest will take care of itself and if you're walking alongside someone like she was working with refugees some of those refugees weren't accepted into Australia for 10 years but she was with them every day the people that were out chanting and shouting and whatever they would do two or three weekends and then get frustrated oh the government sucks and give up and go Uh, shout something else uh, And so they didn't have a, a long-term impact. And I think that's the other thing is that we, we think things should happen really quickly. What we think we should be able to achieve in three months, um, and you remember this when we were working on our businesses, and then it doesn't work in three months, and you're like, what the heck? Um, but this is my seventh year now, and seven years down the track, I think, oh, okay, I kind of get it now. <laughs> but the, the first two years, I didn't make any profit.
1: Um, no, and and you also also the the way in which you were you were marketed to and and uh, through particular people that we worked with in helping us build our business was uh, you know how you could make hundred thousand dollars in six weeks you know that yes, kind of yes, thing and then yes. wasn't it and and yeah. so you know three months down the track yeah yeah made a Zach and then you're like oh yeah okay well I'm just not, I just can't do this and that's where that that um, and I feel so
2: like, yeah but what i yeah. found now is that and and i it, it changes every year and every year i'm kind of shedding another skin and and a new opportunity opening or changing or so through covid i had all that online stuff in the in the burnout then i started the paddling and just doing and i i stopped the meetup group in person because i through COVID it was stopped anyway and then I just didn't start that back up again because in a way that was a voluntary thing because um, there was no payment for it Um, and then I decided that I wanted to share this story that we've talked about today in my journey in a memoir and so half of last year was spent, half of my time last year was spent writing that and looking at how I would put it together Um, plus Getting out and doing more fitness. Have you
1: have you finished it? And I had. Fear. Have you finished it yet? I have finished. Have you finished, have finished, writing, it. finished writing it?
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, I have. So we've got to stay tuned for that.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I ha- yeah, I haven't okay. published it yet, and that's another journey. I mean, I've I've gone to three publishers, and they've all turned me down. So um, I may end up self-publishing it. Um, but that's another learning curve and another few setbacks and another get back on that horse <laughs> experiences uh-huh, and, uh-huh, and uh-huh. but I'm kind of open to it now and I don't see it as failure anymore. I just see it as feedback. That what I've done so far isn't quite resonating and so there's something else I need to do to make it better. I'm not quite sure what that is yet and I'm still on that journey and hopefully will show itself when the time is right
1: it probably will show itself when the time is right yeah so so what are you are you are you still are you still running your business now or are you what what what, what are you doing now like what's what are you working on this year because you know if people want to come and you know do a course with you or or whatever what do you tell tell us about what you're up to
2: Oh, thanks, Tiff, for that opportunity. Um, Yeah, look, I'm still running my business and I'm still doing the one-on-one coaching. And my thing for this year was collaborations. Um, and it was so funny because you just phoned me out the blue. We haven't spoken for ages and you were like, do you want to be on my podcast? And I was like, how the universe works, there's another collaboration. And um, I actually just did a storytelling workshop, like like helping people how to create your story and have the confidence to share it. And I'm doing that in collaboration with a woman that runs the Story Room in Manly. And next week I'm doing um, a women's wellness workshop for four weeks with a fitness, a, a local lady that does fitness. And we're all about empowering women. Um, and I'm really enjoying now not having to do everything on my own anymore and um there's lots of skills i can bring but they're also contributing and we're bouncing off each other's energies um and so this year travel and collaboration are my outlook but i'm still but the 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 business is still running on a part-time basis so i'm pretty selective about who i work with now and how many hours i work um but it also means that anyone that gets me as their coach gets a really good deal because I'm in a really good place.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I know how awesome you are. So yeah, they'd be very oh, okay. privileged to have you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so where, where, how, how can people find you? Like, what's what's the best way to? Have you got a YouTube channel? You, you know, you're putting your message yeah. out there. What like what's happening?
2: Probably my website's probably the best um, place. It's just um And I offer a free 30-minute strategy session for anyone that's, you know, looking for, they're feeling a bit stuck and they don't know how to move forward. Um, I'll have a 30-minute phone call with you and we, or Zoom call like this, and we'll work through, um, because, I, you know, I still do believe in giving back. And um i have a my book that i mentioned earlier is uh, free on my website as an ebook so you can download it i mean i sell hard copies but it's free on the website and there are um questionnaires in there and exercises that people can work through to kind of get started and get to know me um and yeah reach out send me a text my number is on my website um and um yeah, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that too. But one of the things I've learned over the time is I know you need to be on social media and have a presence and everything there, but it's not really where my main connection comes with people. I um, I really like to get to know people and I, I think with social media, that's a wee bit more difficult. I love this kind of thing because people can see us, they can hear us, they get a vibe of us. Um, and it, it, any kind of live events I do is probably where I connect. Oh
1: yes. I've seen you in action and live events. You're absolutely yeah. awesome. You inspire and motivate everybody. Yeah. Oh, and you and you, you love it. I see yeah, your I, eyes light up like plates when you when you're up there. So yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. 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 And and, and is, is there anything that you'd like to share like with somebody that's that's listening now and that, that might be, you know, have some self doubt or struggling um, you know, in their life and, and don't have the confidence to, um, you know, just don't think that they're good enough in, in doing anything. What would, what would be the message that you could give them that to give them hope, um, in, okay. You know, that they're not alone that they can actually, you know, accomplish or move forward into what they want to, what, what they want to do.
2: I think one of the biggest mistakes we make is that we stay in our own head and we try and struggle through on our own, women in particular. I would say nothing changes if you change nothing and reach out and ask for help. And whether that's free help or paid help or getting a community around you or You know, my big thing was I struggled on my own and I didn't tell anybody and I hid behind it for far too long and I was in this martyr mode. And the minute I started to tell friends and I started that meetup group and I I was really, and I tell you, it was hard because I was this corporate woman who was used to solving problems and doing things and I didn't want to show that vulnerability or that I was struggling or, so it's not an easy thing. But as soon as I did, what I realised was, one, people wanted to help and I gave them permission to admit that they were struggling too. And when you've got a community around you or even just one or two friends, the problem with friends is that they all won't necessarily be dead honest with you. Like Often friends will say, oh, you'll be right or no, no, your behaviour's not that bad or whatever. Whereas the coach will challenge you and say, you know what, what you're doing right now doesn't work. We need to find another way for you and and show you why what you're doing right now isn't working and find another way. Um, so that is helpful. But stepping out and changing something and asking, look at, look at the greatest pain points. So for you, is it you, your health and wellness? You're not looking after yourself physically. Is it your mental self-talk? Is it your relationships? Is it your business? And then look at that and say, why is that not going so well? What patterns are there there? Um, and then even ask people for honest feedback. I mean, it's really hard to do in your own. I my my key would be reach out and ask for
1: support. Mm, mm, mm. That's um that's well said, and I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um. So, and I'd love to uh, just say thank you so much for your, um, your kindness and your input and your sharing today. It's been, um, I know for me, like I've actually learnt more about you than than um uh than i thought i knew i thought i'd known quite a lot but there were some great stories that were unfolding there so thank you for sharing that and thank you for being so open as well and sharing um everything that you um, shared with us today because it was uh, in, uh so impactful so it, we really appreciate it i really appreciate it and i appreciate your time and i appreciate you
2: oh uh, well can i say ditto because um i i love having the opportunity and you've given me this this forum to share and i hope it does resonate with some people and i know that you and i both want to make the world a better place and even if that's just in our own wee village um and i watch what you do and um and you've never given up either you're still um you know still marching on and um i i I know your story and I, I I really love being part of this platform and uh, and I look forward to sharing this cuz I want more people to see what you're doing as well.
1: Ah uh, thank you. Yeah, well we'll have to uh collaborate ourselves a, a lot more in the future so that we're um building some great that. things together. Yeah. yeah that I would, would be that. that would be awesome. Yeah, well, me okay, too. Let's me do too. it. Yeah. Please. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Anne. I really appreciate it and um dream big, believe in you, go after your dreams, hey? Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <to>
0: see Even when you feel low, you can still go. Even when you feel slow, you can still go. Even when there's no hope, you can still go. I never answer a no, man. I still go. Go, 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 Moves till I'm buried in my grave. To the system, I don't wanna be a slave I've been doing shit my way, uh, On the highway And in the driveway, there's a nice range Cause I grind through the climb, I invite pain And never hear me, bitch, nah, I don't complain Just gotta flip the switch and you can go and obtain Anything you want, anything you need Your mind's got the key ingredient, it's belief Better see what the negativity, But I just slide right by that energy, Even when you feel low, you can still go Even when you feel slow, you can still go Even when there's no hope, you can still go I never ran sitting on man, I still go Go, 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 go Start the pain and find a door Open it up and finally explore Everything that you thought you could never do before uh, And even when you feel low, you can still go Even when you feel slow, you can still go Even when there's no hope, you can still go I never answer to no, man, I still go Go, 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 go